In a world shaped by ancient civilizations and remarkable trade networks, a wondrous journey awaits. Footprints presents Connected, a gripping 10-episode series that takes you into the lives of ordinary people whose destinies intertwine with the ancient Silk Road and the Belt and Road Initiative. Following the modern initiative that connects several continents via land and maritime networks, we uncover captivating stories along the way and witness how it bridges different cultures and peoples throughout time. Brace yourself for an enthralling experience with Connected, arriving on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today and join us on this extraordinary journey through time and space. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm Lai Ming. In our special program, Li Yi, Yu Shun, and I are still traveling in Ulaanbaatar's Central Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region to look at local examples of China's modernization. About 300 kilometers to the north of Beijing, Ulaanbaatar witnesses the transition from the agrarian to the nomadic. However, in most parts of the region, farming is the chief means of agricultural production. As such, there are more sedentary rural villages than mobile yurts in the region. A few years back, China has eradicated absolute poverty across the country, including the vast rural areas. Yet, there is a long way to go in rural revitalization. The rural residents should be able to benefit from the country's overall pursuit of modernization. Across the villages and townships in Wulanchapu, there are many cases of good practices being done to improve the quality of life for rural residents. More specifically, we travel to Nanchun Village and Longshenzhuan Township to look at the measures aimed at improving yield, income, and quality of life for rural residents there. We begin with a brief intro.、Uh, so Li Yi, you went to Nanchun Village, which is a typical demonstration village where we see the best practices. Yes, it's actually a demonstration village in terms of promoting the policy of rural vitalization here in China. As you said, it's a village located in southern Wulanshan, and、uh, it's actually a quite small village.、Um, there are only three hundred and twelve households living in this village. That's about six hundred and sixty permanent residents in this village. In meantime, it's a village that breathes on traditional agriculture, and、uh, traditionally, it grows very basic agriculture. For example, like potato, and and、Corn. other. Yes, and、uh, but the thing is that、uh, with faced with fiercer market competition, the village just drives for a better development in terms of uh, uh, promoting agriculture. So they are also promoting the modernization of agriculture,、uh, for example, like protected agriculture, as I interviewed yesterday, and I guess we'll discuss about it later. And also, it's been developing its rural tourism. That featured with local characteristics. For example, there are several homestays being built in the shape of, of vegetables, which are quite appealing for people, especially visitors from the cities. And that's basically the situation of this small village. And I think I can just share more about it later.、Mm-hmm, right. And Yushun, you went to Longshenzhuan Township, which historically has been a spot, a very important spot in the trade route connecting central China and north of China. Yes,、uh, Longshenzhuan Town is located in the northeast part of Fengzhen City in Wulanchabu, covering an area of 421 square kilometers, and it's situated along the Ming Great Wall, and it is at the an- intersection of Inner Mongolia, Shanxi, and Hebei. It was historically known for its tea trade and camel and horse transportation, so. This town、uh, consists of one community and 136 natural villages, with a registered population of 36,327 and a resident population of 9,697. It's not a big number, but it also reflects that people living in here can enjoy a slow-paced and quiet lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you had a chance to talk to somebody、uh, influential and incredible at the in the region. Guo Yuhong is the deputy mayor of Longshenzhuan Township. We know that Longshenzhuan is an ancient town known for its commerce development, but under the background of industrial restructuring nowadays, 
Have there been any changes in the commercial and trade sector? And what are the changes? When Lotion Zhuang is the first stop in a Mongolia of the Tea Road, which is the World Culture Heritage Application Project. This town was established during the reign of Qianlong in the Qing Dynasty. At that time, people from grassland and people from central China traded here. They exchanged goods such as grain, tea, silk, livestock, and so on. Nowadays, the Chinese still exist, but it's become modernized and scanized. For example, the Fenglong Agriculture and Animal Husbandry Companies forming an industrial chain, integrating production, possession, and sales, selling beef cattle, cement cattle to the southeast of China. It only takes one day from the pasture to the table. The ancient buildings in town are among the most intact historical architectural complexes in Inner Mongolia. Are people still living in the ancient buildings, and how are these buildings being preserved? Some people still live there, but most of the ancient fields in preserved well are temple, mosque, the Ming Great Wall, Beijing Tower. The local government, culture and tourism fieldwork apply for some relevant funding to protect and repair these buildings. And Longshenzhuang ancient town has multiple well-preserved ancient shops, ancient gates, and other historical buildings, like some temples, as you said, which boosted the local tourism industry, right? So how can local residents participate, and what measures have been taken to improve the quality of life for local residents? Tourism is closely related to the development of culture. In Longshenzhuang, except for ancient buildings, beautiful scenery, delicious food, the Longshenzhuang Traditional Temple Fair on June 24th of Lunar Calendar also attracts tourists from all directions. It is the intangible cultural heritage of Indian Mongolia. Every year at that time, about 70,000 visitors come here to watch the event. This directly leads to the increase in local kintery and the accommodation revenue of local residents. Are there other production and livelihood methods in the local area? And what has the development of this industry brought to the daily lives of local residents? Nowadays, integrated development of agriculture, food processing industry, and tourism has been achieved here. There are many agriculture and animal husbandry companies, food processing enterprises, especially milk cake processing. The tourism industry is developing more and more quickly through land transfer, order acquisition, and sent income, labor, and other forms. Villagers and villager collectives increase income. This is also an important part of the rural revitalization strategy. That was Ms. Guo Hongyu, Deputy Mayor of Longshenzhuang Township, gave us a brief intro of the place that uh, Yushun went to visit and uh, seek out examples of what they are doing to improve the livelihood for the local residents. Let's move on to something more in detail, like what are the measures that are being done to boost agricultural production? Uh, because we know agricultural production is essential to people's income and also the country's food security. Uh, let's begin with Li Yi. What was the people in Nanchun doing to increase their yield and also income? I think they are adopting several approaches in terms of promoting their agriculture sector. And one would be to find the most suitable agricultural products being grown and on this land. As I said previously, it's a very traditional agriculture village, yet faced with very fierce market competition, it somehow finds it quite difficult to stand out to sell and promote their agricultural products in the market. So that's why they just uh, started to grow some specialty or very special species of very special vegetable, such as tomato, cucumber, which are quite suitable to grow in quite cold area, like mm -hmm. in the Mongolia autonomous region. And um, they grow very good quality vegetables. So in the meantime, they are also paying a lot of efforts in terms of promoting their products, for example, to get access to live streaming to all the e-commerce platforms. And that's just a very basic step for developing their agriculture. And meantime, they're also developing a policy that is called protected agriculture. And uh, actually, 
so far, the entire village has about six thousand and four hundred mu of arable land. That's about four hundred and twenty-six hectares,、mm-hmm. and actually one third, actually over one third, of its land is utilizing these protected agricultural facilities. And for those who are not familiar with our protected agriculture, it's actually basically approach to secure and improve for food production. By cultivating crops in a controlled environment, such as greenhouses and tunnels, and the main purpose is really to protect、uh, crops from outside or external factors, such as adverse weather conditions, extreme weather conditions, and pests and other diseases. And more importantly, it also helps local villages, especially, to grow. Plants or products that are not so suitable to grow on this land, yet they can just、uh, somehow to make it happen through using these greenhouses to control the temperature, control the environment. And for example, I visited a green grape vineyard yesterday, and、mm-hmm. uh, it's a very typical protected agriculture business. Grapes, grapes, yes, in this village in South Wollanchub, and.、Uh, I talked to a farmer who was actually the first person to start grow these green grapes in village in South、uh, Wollanchub, and he told me he came from Shandong Province,、mm-hmm. and they're already a very well-established grape planting business. However, when they come to Inner Mongolia, actually, it's a good place to grow grapes because this place boasts huge. Temperature difference, which means they can grow grapes that are sweeter. However, the weather here are not so stable, so、uh-huh. they have to, of course, build these、uh, greenhouses and to control the weather to make sure that green grapes can grow on this land. We had just the right example yesterday as we visited the greenhouse for the grapes,、yes. and、uh, we were fortunate or unfortunate to have been caught in a fit of hail.、Mm-hmm. We, uh, Peanut-sized hails falling down from the sky and hitting、uh, everything on the ground. And a regrettable sight to see is the uh, uh, plants and vegetables and、uh, other crops growing growing in regular fields. Sometimes、uh, in the farmer's own courtyard, and we were we saw some of the cilantro was it、uh, mm-hmm. being hit by the hail. In comparison, we were fortunate to be hiding in the greenhouse of the green grapes, and、yes. uh, we we could hear the sound of hails、yes. knocking on the cover of the greenhouse. But、um, all the while, we、uh, felt. Reassured that we are safe and、uh, the grapes are safe. Yes, actually, we were actually a, a little bit nervous about those grapes, and we worry about the grapes、mm-hmm. because it's really heavy rainfall. And、uh, and we even asked、um, this farmer who is in charge of this green grapes vineyard. I mean, is it okay, you know, for these grapes and it's such as、uh, heavy rainfall? And, and he, just he was quite easy. Yes,、yeah. he said that's okay. We got this. Greenhouses and、uh, it can well protect these products here. So that's exactly you know one vivid example of how protected agriculture is being used here.、Mm-hmm. And more importantly, it's not only to protect those products to grow on this land. More importantly, it, it can also help farmers to to earn an advantageous position in the market. Because I was、oh. told that yes, because I was told that they are using these greenhouses to control. Um, the sprouting timing of these green grapes,、mm-hmm. uh, which means、uh, they can control the、uh, the temperature to make sure that green grapes sprout a little bit later than its peers in the market grow in other areas. So that means it can just help farmers to sell these green grapes、uh, when all his competitors have、uh, run out of stock. Yes, exactly. So that's a very smart strategy being used here. And I was told that this green grapes vineyard, they are also pursuing approach to grow very high quality green grapes, which means they don't really want to use a lot of fertilizers to make green grapes look greener or bigger, which are somehow pursued in the market. Yet they want to make sure that they produce the best quality green grapes and of natural taste. And、um, so that's why they are using very natural approach right, to right. grow and fertilize these plants. So these green grapes are an extraordinary example.、Uh, they, they are very high end and very expensive, but very tasty. I、yes. think a bunch of them could cost 
about 120 yuan. So that's wow. about that's about uh, 20 less than slightly less than 20 US dollars. So it's high end. It's only been introduced to the Chinese market in recent years, and already this farmer from Shandong is already looking for chances to expand his business in this part of the region. And another specialty crop here in the region would be oats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yushun, you've been you had the chance to eat and taste the uh, youmian. How do you feel? It tastes healthy. <laughs> Oh, that's not that's not that's enough. Not a very positive reaction. <laughs> How do you feel? It tastes healthy. Because I personally is not a fan of you know noodles and mm. that kind of flour made of things. Because you're from southern China. <laughs> Maybe that's <laughs> kind of a reason. Um, but I can absolutely feel that you will not have any pressure eating it because um, the taste is quite light and. When you are eating it, it doesn't feel like the regular noodles. So that kind of uh, oats-made noodles is quite, um, you know, suitable for like any kind of people. Even somebody like me who really don't like noodles, but I can, you know, take it for one meal. And actually, I also tried that youmian, and I was told it's quite easy to digest. So that makes mm. it a very popular favorite food of many elder people here in Wolanchup. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the competitive advantage of youmian is that it's best to be grown in this part of the region where the temperatures don't get too high in summer and don't. And, and as as such, uh, you can only see these plants growing in places north of Yingshan, which is uh, mm. north of China. And in recent years, they've done a good job at promoting the local brand of Youmian and cooperating mm. with a very influential and very famous restaurant brand that is seen across the country. If you travel to, like, in Xizang in southwest China, in to Guangzhou in South China and then to Beijing, you can see that rather influential restaurant chain and uh, connecting their Youmian to that brand is a way to promote their, their products. And that's, that's the way that people are doing to um, take advantage of their local produce and to boost uh, their income. Right, so agricultural production is, is obviously the very basic of people's livelihood here, but that's not enough if we were to continue modernizing the economy and also modernizing the agriculture. Technology seems to be a very important factor here. Yes, and uh, actually here in this uh, small village in South Wollenship, they got a very huge agriculture industry park um, located in this village. And there we saw a very smart technology that is called intelligent monitoring system. How intelligent? Basically, they got sensors in all the carving all the farmlands in this village and of course in farmlands around this village and uh, those sensors can really detect whether there's extreme weather conditions in the past and the disease whether those crops are suffering from and more importantly they can they can alarm the local farmers through a mini app on WeChat which is a social media app and that's quite easy to use and more importantly they are also offering advices a professional advices for farmers like how to deal with such occasions and what is the best way to you know help your crops to grow and that is a very smart system and uh, those researchers there just show us how that system works and i guess this uh, system is not only used in this village in Valencia because i've been to the Qixing farm in northeastern China, in Heilongjiang province, uh-huh. a very remote village. And they are also using such this monitoring system to, uh, and that just eases the work for local researchers to oversee the situation, I mean, the current situation, the, the, the real-time situation of all the farmlands, like how those crops are growing and uh, what are some problems to be watched out? And more importantly, they are being connected to farmers. So it's really creating a bridge between the professional researchers, experts in farming and farmers in local regions. Mm-hmm. You're the youngest of the team and you always had a knack for tech. And how mm-hmm. do you feel like being a farmer in this day and age with assistance uh, in terms of technology on this level? I mean, you, you're able to look at a mini app on your smartphone and know what's going on in your farmland. And uh, perhaps when you just are, are about to be desperate and there are advices being pushed to your phone telling you what to do, how do you mm-hmm. feel like uh, being a farmer these days? 
Um, you know, this kind of a digitalization is always been a trend recently, and we can see that a lot of people are using that kind of a monitoring system mm -hmm. to um, overlook the situation and what is happening and the health condition of all of their crops or their plants or their animals even. Yes. So I was totally fascinated by this kind of technology because, um, you know, some people will say that maybe it will have some kind of um, the cost of learning these kind of technology. But I would mm -hmm. say this is um, an era of everybody is keeping learning. So if we accept this kind of idea that um, we are going to that kind of modernized era, then I think this is the future that is coming to us. Right. The interesting thing about this monitoring system is that it's not just the cliche or alt talk of big data, which mm -hmm. has been in the catchy word uh, in the past few years. But now I believe the the very extreme and extraordinary example that I saw talking to a guy at the monetary system is that uh, they're able to, in fact, count the number of pests in mm. a particular uh, piece of farmland. And I wondered how that's possible, but the guy who was immediately available there uh, could only tell us the phenomena, but he doesn't really uh, know the, uh, the science behind it, which really uh, interests me and sheds some light on the future of agriculture, and that is with the assistance of big data and perhaps artificial intelligence or any smart system you have, it is perhaps no longer necessary to have college or master's degree in order to succeed in farming. All you need is perhaps good service coming your way, provided by professionals. And I understand Yushun said this is an age where we all have to keep learning, but perhaps for the general public, for especially for farmers who don't necessarily have a good education background, incorporating this professional system and smart system is a way to help them when they are extremely helpless in the face of changes in, in the natural environment and changes into the crops and animals. Yes, I think that's a very important point, actually, because already we've have a lot of technologies being used at hand in those farmlands covering all the villages in China, almost. But the thing is that how to make sure farmers can really understand and grasp that technology, because according to my previous interview, actually, it could be quite challenging to persuade those local farmers to, mm. you know, learn more about this technology. It's not only technology, but also like better and more advanced farming techniques that can help you to plant um, in a more scientific way and in the end to increase the yield of your land. It could be quite challenging to persuade them to, you know, let them know that this technology is really beneficial to your land, to your business and to your income. And meantime, proper training should also be provided to them because you can't really expect someone who know nothing about this uh, new technology and somehow immediately grasp this technology at once and uh, just became an, an expert in this. So that means look Local villages, they have to pay special efforts to make sure that local farmers have the time, have the access to this uh, training and to this technology in the end. And also we need to be realistic about the technology that we are talking about. This is an extraordinary example, an extraordinary case of cutting-edge technology being deployed in certain part of the region, in certain part of the farmlands manned by the average farmers in the region. So uh, we are yet to see such high-level technology being introduced on a much wider scale. Also, we know, we are pretty much aware that we are only talking here. And so if you are really interested in what we are talking about, I mean, we are also making short videos everywhere we go. And there's a chance that you can see them uh, as the Yi have worked so hard to present to you. Uh, all of them are available on, on Twitter, Weibo, and uh, perhaps even YouTube at uh, CGTN Radio. Just, well, do the search and you'll find us. That's all the time we have for the first half. And coming up in the second half of the show, Lucian will share more on cultural tourism, education, and changes to the outlook of rural villages. Stay tuned with us. D-Dime, the podcast of CGTN Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen.
take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm Lai Ming. Li Yi, Yushun, and I are traveling in Wulan Chabu in central Inner Mongolia, and we are looking at examples and best practices being done to improve the livelihood of rural villages in the region. And just now, we shared some examples of the region taking advantage of its own natural endowment and also technology to boost income and quality of life. Now let's move on to more practices taking advantage of the region's cultural endowment as well. Yushun, you've been to Longzhenzhuang, and、mm. we mentioned it earlier. This is a major trading post on the route connecting、mm. central China and northern China,、mm. and、uh, this is a historical place. And there's a plenty of very old buildings dating back several hundred years.、Uh, what is being done in this regard to? Boost the influence of the of the township and the region、uh, at large. Yeah,、uh, the residents in this town used to rely on traditional farming and traditional trading, but now they have, you know, diversified into many businesses opportunities. And the village has successfully constructed some ancient archways, road、uh, improvements, and museums and tourist reception centers. And they also protected some ancient shops, ancient residences, and restored ancient city walls. And at the same time, it vigorously promotes the unique traditional folk culture. And the ancient town has been completely renewed with a new look, I would say. So I think it's not only inheriting the culture here, but also making the village a place where you know the past meets the future. And As a small town, it it actually has a great development potential during the peak tourism season, which is when they hold their annual fair or temple fair.、Mm-hmm. Um, the town can attract a flow of around fifty to sixty thousand people. And、okay. considering that the total, you know, a permanent population of this town is just over nine thousand, so it's quite remarkable, I would say. And the temple fair is said to be very spectacular, featuring numerous local cultural performances. And、um, I initially thought it was a celebration of a specific ethnic tradition, but it turned out to be a you know festival that embraces various ethnic groups and not limiting to a particular ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And also, we somehow touched upon this when we talk about businesses and industries in the region. When we talk about mooncakes,、mm. uh, in fact,、uh, mooncakes is also a specialty in Longzhenzhuang region.、Right. They belong to、uh, the Fengzhen city at large, but、uh, it's nonetheless a very important. Part of Longzhenzhuang Township, where people congregate in the past、uh, on the trade route, and、uh, I think we explained quite a lot as to why it mattered that people would buy these mooncakes during their travel,、uh, because they they do need that extra、uh, calories to keep them going.、Mm. And so, in this regard, I mean, the the region is doing a lot to. To safeguard his own intangible cultural heritage in this regard, I, I had a chance to speak to somebody whose family have spent four generations、uh, dedicated to the mooncake industry, and they somehow have received support、uh, from the local authorities to expand their business, and also in the meantime try and.、Uh, Really get the name out. I mean, Fengzhen Yuebing, Fengzhen Mooncake is quite influential in the region. So, building a museum and also really promoting the culture connected to Fengzhen Mooncake is a way to boost the influence of the region. Yeah, the development of this kind of a tourism industry is a win-win situation for I think all parties that is involved. You know, villagers can. Participate through businesses like restaurants and accommodations, and this not only improves the appearance of the rural area, but also creates more job opportunities. Of course, and this is leading to, I think, overall development of this countryside. And additionally, it allows for the preservation and continuation of 
their traditional culture within the village. Just like、uh, the mooncake making, right?、Mm-hmm. And Lee, you had a chance to look at folk culture being promoted to boost the influence of Nanchun village as well. Yes, I think they are also developing this rural tourism in local village, and I think that's a very popular approach actually to. Boost the local economy for a lot of rural villages here in China, and one typical approach would be constructing homestays featured、uh, rural characteristics. For example, there is a very interesting homestay location in this village in South Wulanzhou, which is built in the shape of potato and pumpkin,、oh. and、uh, I think that's quite impressive for tourists coming from outside of this village, and especially for people living in cities, they really want to. Uh, have a little taste or a bite of this rural living lifestyle, so they just decide to spend a weekend in these rural areas. So I think this village in South Wulanzhou is kind of grasping this opportunity to develop its local homestay business. And I was told they are operated in a very well state. Actually, the daily. Customer traffic could just exceed three hundred people, and that's quite a lot considering this is just a small village of only six hundred people. people. Yes,、mm-hmm. people living here. So I think that's just a major approach for them to expand their business, you know, beyond、uh, developing and promoting agriculture, and also they are promoting a business that is called research、uh, study trip that is quite、mm-hmm. popular in、research、cities across China.、Trip. Yes, and、mm-hmm. uh, they are also having this business here in this village in South. Lunch up, and we actually visited, you know, tour around this、uh, study trip center, which is also located inside this、uh, agriculture industrial park in this village, and it's quite interesting and.、Uh, Eye-opening, I would say. There were so many, you know, different plants, and it's. I would say it's, it's somehow like a giant green plant garden for me,、mm-hmm. and、uh, you can not only you know have a very leisure time inside, and more importantly for kids, they can be educated about various things. Of course, more importantly, agriculture. They got experience like what's it like to harvest the crops, and、uh, they can also experience to plant something, and、uh, also some important information are also being educated in this way. For example, how to escape from an earthquake. Location and uh, also um, how to like dial the nine one one when you are in emergency. So you know these are very helpful information and education being provided to those kids. And、uh, for of course for villages and its local residents, it's also very innovative approach to create new revenues for them. Right, right. Yeah, Let's and, be yes. Please go. Yeah,、ahead. as I as I was embarking on a journey to. That ancient town. When I was approaching that town, I was greeted and surprised by a picturesque sight on both sides of the road. That is a vast, lush、uh, grasslands dotted with grazing cows and sheep, and I think that is creating a serene and idyllic ambience. You know, and I am <laughs> always a fan of these kind of、uh, natural landscapes. And I think with The temperature, the comfortable temperature here in Wulanchabui in Mongolia, I think we all agree that it is a good place for people to spend their summer vacation or weekend.、Mm-hmm. We need to be realistic. I mean, even the entire Wulanchabui has only a population of about two point seven million. I mean, that's significantly fewer people compared to Beijing. In a significantly bigger region compared to the city of Beijing as well, so the population density is not really big, and as such,、um, there's only so much juice you can squeeze from promoting tourism to the local people. So perhaps the chances may lie in promoting the brand of the region to、uh, a nearby major cities like Beijing. Because, like you said earlier, the temperature here is really attractive in summertime, and if only a proportion of the Beijing residents travel here, that would constitute a major boost in traffic and、uh, perhaps contribute to the local economy. Yes, and I think you know we are discussing all this.、Um, I think it's a very significant topic because you know we always talk about revitalization right here in China, and we know we have been implementing this policy for years. But the thing is that villages here in China really their situation are quite different, you know, from region to region. For example, if you 
go to those villages located in eastern China where they have better geographical location, and that means they have better logistics, and which could be easier for them to really develop any kind of business, you know, e-commerce and other, to sell and promote their agricultural product. But meantime, for you know, villages located in middle. Part of China, like the village we are visiting here, and also the town Yushun is visiting in Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region, and also in those villages in Middle West part of China, it could be quite challenging for them to find you know more innovative way to develop their local economy and、uh, talking about revitalized. The region, so I think for local villagers, it's quite important for them to understand the real situation, the environment, and what they got, and、uh, the locations, what kind of assets they can use and utilize to develop their economy. And I think this village in South Wollongong and also the town. Near Wollongong, are just two vivid examples of using their different resources and just、uh, to have tailored-made strategies to promote their economy. And of course, all of these measures that we've been talking about have left a mark on the outlook of these villages. I mean, we. Uh, were impressed、uh, as we were traveling and visiting Nanshan village、uh, after the hail, and there was a rainbow really hanging on the sky, and、uh, against the background of、uh, really colorful graffiti、yeah. walls.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, to think that in the rural village of only about three hundred households, a four-lane Road could get cut traffic congestion from all the people coming、mm. to visit. I mean, that's just incredible. Yes, and I think、um, local villagers are definitely investing a lot of money in terms of building their infrastructure, right? Like tra- transportation, which is very essential to promote、mm-hmm. rural agriculture,、uh, r- rural tourism. I, for one, really paid attention to the toilets that they use because、oh. I grew up in a small village in、yes. southern China and.、Mm-hmm. For many years since we moved there, I have been using the latrine toilets,、mm-hmm. um, which can be quite、uh, scary for a small kid like me because I was really very very scared of spiders, and I was、mm-hmm. also.、Uh, I thought you were scared of falling in there. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say I was small enough to fall through. So I, I and I, there are spiders. Spiders. Yes, at one point I did lose my backpack down there,、oh. so it was a, it was a nightmare. It was always a nightmare until、yes. my mom and dad decided to build、uh, our own toilets in in the house. So I, I paid attention、uh, here as I travel、uh, um, and visit the homes of the local villages, and、uh, it made me feel like wanting to be a kid at this day and age here, because growing up here and now in the village like this. I wouldn't have that nightmare because they have installed real toilets,、mm-hmm. complete with a sewage system.、Mm-hmm. So it's not any regular toilet that my mom and dad built in our house. I mean, in our house we had a cesspit, and we don't have the sewage system. And so it's it still can be a little disgusting to the sewage pipe above ground. Here in this village, I mean, everything is underground, and all the Uh, wastewater collected are being processed and、uh, recycled, so it's it's a lot more sanitary as compared to what's going on a few decades ago、um, when I was a kid in southern China. Yeah,、uh, but actually,、uh, based on my observation, yes, we can see a lot of、uh, support and measures have been done to all of these villages, but it. Should also continue to progress because I noticed that in some areas, although they may look good from the outside, the underground water system or the sewage system has not been, you know, completely improved. Therefore, I believe through gradual renovation, I think a step by step, and the overall sanitation quality of the villagers' daily life will be further improved if they can, you know,、uh, improve the sewage system and have. Everything underground,、uh, well planned. Yeah, yeah, right. These things take time. So the village the E and I visited, they had this major renovation only last year.、Mm-hmm. So, but but ever since they've had that, they don't have to worry about venturing outside in the cold winter night. You know, they don't have to worry about the mosquitoes and flies and spiders and falling down there.、Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's major change. But the change will have to take. Place over time, and it will take resources. It will take input, and 
at the end of the day, sometimes it even depends on the overall economic performance of the region, whether or not the authorities have enough resources to invest in this regard. But uh, it's important for us to bear in mind that the little things, when they add up, they amount to major changes in people's quality of life. Of course, and I think on top of you know promoting local people's living standards with such measures, for example, to really introduce some very good sanitation infrastructure. What really impressed me when I visited this village in uh, South Wollongong is how they are encouraging local villagers to, you know, develop different kind of business or small business, if we call it, oh, in, yeah? within their own courtyards. And oh. that is actually a very special and very unique policy here in China that is called courtyard economy. Mm-hmm. That means to, you know, really encourage the village resident to use the courtyard inside their house and uh, to turn it into something. For example, they can just uh, turn it into a homestay business or like a parcel distribution site or like simply a a venue to host a live streaming sessions for, you mm-hmm. know, promoting local agriculture products. And uh, the households we visited together yesterday in South uh, Village, there's a uh, grandpa, he's growing different kind of crops in his own yards. Right. And there were uh, like corns, corns, cucumbers, and uh, some Cilantro. flowers, right? It's quite a picturesque uh, view, actually, because the first time I entered this yard, I feel like, wow, this is my dream yard to live in, because <laughs> it's, it's really, really soothing to just simply, you know, thinking about living in that yard. And uh, actually, I was told by the local village head that they were actually encouraging local residents to do such things like this, to really promote the courtyard economy with various measures. For example, they are introducing a system called credits system. It's mm. kind of like a membership credit system okay, here we yeah. have in the supermarket and shopping malls. Yes, basically they are encouraging local residents to do very small things. For example, to drop litter in the right position in the dustbins. Okay. Or simply you make some small contribution for a village. For example, if you are very good at talking and speaking with some other people, maybe you can get involved in a local e-commerce business okay. to get involved in a live streaming session to you know help increase the sales of local agricultural products and also to you know make your courtyard look better that is also part of their this credit system mm-hmm. and that is all included in the local rural governing policy and that's really impressive for me so that, the grandpa we talked to he planted corn in the courtyard yes. about one mu I, I don't i can't really do the math and translate mm-hmm. it into hectare but it's a small, small plot yeah. of land yes. but uh, uh, he told me that they can harvest about uh, a thousand jin, so it's uh, that's quite a lot actually. About a, about, a, about five hundred kilograms of corn, mm-hmm. and I asked him how long will these corn last your family? I mean, how many mm-hmm. months were yeah. uh, were you spent eating this corn? And he said, uh, if you like it, you eat it. If you don't like it, you cook it, you freeze it in the refrigerator, and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's just some extra calories that yes. you can grow mm-hmm. in your own courtyard and another example would be what uh, Li Yi mentioned earlier the homestay business I mean that's also mm-hmm. taking advantage of the vast space they have yes yeah that also reminded me the kind of a development that is happening in Longshenzhuang town and they are trying to improve that kind of a green development the village has also created some scenic parks and ecological tourism area and they are also calling on the villagers to plant trees together and in this way to develop rural tourism like sightseeing, planting, experiencing, or herbal planting and research and development and rural homestays projects. And I think this not only promotes the environmental protection construction but also creates employment opportunities for these local villagers and through these initiatives uh, more tourists are attracted and it can drive the development of the tourism industry and also embody the concept of Chinese path to modernization, which is emphasizing the importance of environmental development. Mm-hmm. And we absolutely have to do this while at the same time bearing in mind the natural resources and uh, the natural limitations of the region. I mean, uh, Wulan Chabu in central Inner Mongolia is not 
a particularly humid region. You didn't get a lot of yes. rainfalls here. So uh, any progress, any advancement we make in agriculture, we have to take into consideration the lack of water resources in the region. Of course, as you said, this place is not really endowed with rich water resources. In the meantime, there are also a place that rely on agriculture, which needs actually a lot of water to irrigate the plants. So this village in South Valencia, they're kind of upgrade the irrigation approach to help save water resources. For example, before they were using approach called broad irrigation, that is called guan. And basically, that means um, they got a maybe a main trench in the village, uh-huh. which can really cover all the farmlands and somehow just uh, irrigate the farmlands, and that's it. And now they are using very precise irrigation method and uh, drip irrigation. Drip irrigation. That's the technology they're using. That is called di guan. Mm-hmm. And basically, very small emitters underground alongside the plants and slowly you know, drip water into the soil. At the root zone, it somehow, of course, helped to save water resources in the meantime to really control the irrigation process when growing the plants and in the end maybe doing something good for the quality control and that's a major approach and meantime they're also adopting a pricing system that also help Hmm. you know villagers to have this conscious of using water in a very smart and scientific way and they are you know kind of fluctuating pricing system when charging the water bills it's somehow similar to the electricity bill here we're using in cities in Beijing a tiered pricing system the more you use if you exceed the first tier the basic level and then you you're likely to be charged extra for for using more exactly they have this like average line for each village or for each household for example like 80 ton of water per mool per year and that's an average line if you are using water you know within this range then you are charged with a rather cheap price but somehow if you exceed that line and they're going to charge you at a higher price. In the meantime, they're also got a bottom line. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about two, 120 ton of water because that's according to maybe scientific research, that's enough usage of water for you know your farmland. And if you are exceeding this line, then you are are not really allowed to use water because you will be consumed like a wasting water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Another limitation would be the population here. We mentioned a few times on the show, and that is the population here is only 2.7 million in a region that's much larger than the Beijing city. And as such, the population density is quite low. And so any progress that they seek to pursue would have to take into consideration the lack of human resources and perhaps anything that uh, saves manpower, that uh, boosts efficiency and perhaps uses the machines might have a better chance of being successful in the region. And also, I mean, this is in, in the Mongolia Autonomous region, quite a, a distance from the central of China and from the economic center of the city, uh, of the country. And as such, it's really important for us to have the important infrastructure, uh, the logistics and the transportation infrastructure for anything that's being produced here to be transported in time to other parts of the country. So the green grapes that uh, Li Yi mentioned earlier was mm-hmm. is a very good example. The, the head of the farm told me that uh, his grapes were sold not to the immediate neighborhood of Beijing. They're actually sold to Shanghai and southern China. Mm-hmm. So that uh, goes a long way to show how far we've gone improving the infrastructure in the region. Yeah, and um, the point that you said previously about um, the limitation on the population also reminded me of approach that this town is also conducting, which is called collective economy. They are trying to lead and promote industrial development and focus on increasing collective economic income. In recent years, this town has, you know, closely centered around these kind of strategy with agriculture and tourism as the foundation and by implementing shareholding cooperation. It closely connects the interests of farmers with new agricultural and animal husbandry operators Mm -hmm. and promoting industrial revitalization and increasing employment and income and integrating the development of 
agriculture and food processing and tourism industries in this town. And according to the stats that、um, the official of this town gave me, 1,300 people have been arranged to work nearby, providing stable employment and income increase for more than 300 households who have already lifted themselves out of poverty. And、um, they're not only creating job opportunities, but also the local government are. Collaborating with some businesses to increase the income for the villagers. For instance, the local residents can use supporting funds provided by the government to purchase cattle and then entrust them to the local ranch for centralized feeding and sales. And then finally, they can share the profits from it.、Mm-hmm. You got anything more to share on this regard? And yes, I think during this trip we have witnessed a lot of、uh, new opportunities. Brought by you know new business here in villages and towns in Wollongong in Mongolia and they're really making huge progress in all sectors. But really, I think we should really have this awareness in mind that regional disparities still exist in China, especially between urban and rural areas,、mm-hmm. and、uh, they are also still facing quite a lot of challenges. And among them, for example, in this village in South Wollongong, a shortage of talent. Is a pressing challenge for them because、right. actually they are producing really good, you know, quality agricultural products. Yet they don't really know how to, you know, what is the best way to let the outside world know about it to really to reach to a huge or a large market, like a larger base of customers. So that's why they are really recruiting more talents who. Are good at like promoting and、uh, building the brands for villages like this village in South Wollongong.、Mm-hmm. And another point that we have been mentioning on the show, and that is,、uh, the region is facing a serious lack of water, and as such,、uh, the environment can be rather fragile. But that doesn't mean this area is hopeless. I mean, there's a lot the the region can do. In fact, it's the wind energy capital of China. So there's there's a lot of、uh, progress that's actually being made in terms of green development and contributing to the overall ecological development of the region. So in our next Stop. We will go and visit certain new energy sectors, certain businesses in the new energy sector, like solar, wind, and even energy storage. And we hope to present to you、uh, our look at the、uh, new energy developments in the region. And I hope you stay tuned for more on Roundtable. And that's it for our discussion today. And if you like to see what we are seeing,、um, you can、uh, find us on various platforms on Weibo, on Twitter. At CGTN Radio, and there will be videos and、uh, vlogs that we made to give you a first-hand view of what's going on here. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.